Hello and welcome to Is It Me or Is It Them? This is a podcast for women who want to take responsibility for our half of our relationships and how we show up in our lives, but are tired of trying to clean up the mess on other people's side of the yard. This is for those of us who want to set boundaries without feeling like we're bulldozing anyone and who want harmony, but are tired of sacrificing yourself to get it. We're going to be talking about showing up and speaking up with more confidence, kindness, and courage in your lives, your relationships, in the moments of conflict, and the moments of opportunity for connection, whether you're talking with the ones you love or dealing with the ones who drive you crazy. I'm April Boyd. I'm a psychotherapist and couples counselor, and today I'm going to be talking with you about overthinking. Overthinking is something that comes up a lot in my practice, and it's something that comes up a lot in my conversations in my personal life with my friends and family, and it seems like this is such a common phenomenon that a lot of us really wrestle with. Overthinking can show up in a lot of different ways. Maybe you've had days where it feels like you barely get anything done because you can't decide what to focus on. Or you get stuck in analysis paralysis and then you never move forward with that job application or taking that class or having that conversation that needs to be had or publishing that blog post. If it feels like you can never really shut down or turn off, it might be because you are chronically overthinking. I've come to believe that there's basically three main reasons that send our brain into this kind of constant overdrive, and I'd love to hear from you which one sounds most familiar. Which ones of these do you resonate with the most? I know for me, I've definitely been a mix of all three at different points in time in my life. So the first cause of overthinking is self-doubt. Maybe you were never really taught to pay attention to your own instincts or your own inner guidance, or perhaps your voice was actually eclipsed by the voices of others who either intentionally or unintentionally invalidated your experience or tried to convince you that you were wrong when you knew that you were right. Maybe they said things like, you're being too sensitive, that's not what I said, you're overreacting, you shouldn't do that, you don't need this. Maybe somewhere along the way, you stopped listening to your own gut instincts and developed an anxiety-provoking, time-wasting, annoying habit of second-guessing, overthinking, and doubting yourself. It's okay. It happens, and we've probably all been there in some way or form. It might just mean that it's simply time to get more intentional about getting reacquainted with the sound of your own voice, with your own ability to check in with yourself. And you can start to do this in really tiny ways. It can be as simple as when you're ordering lunch at a restaurant. Just take a moment to pause and ask yourself, what is it you really want? What is it that would be best for you in this moment? And then just wait for an answer before ordering. Before you say yes or no to an invitation or a request, let them know that you need a moment to think about it and you'll get back to them. Then notice how it feels when you picture going. Does it feel lighter or heavier? Do you feel contracted or expansive? 
Do you feel dread or excitement? Practice just these small moments of checking in throughout your day and it'll become a lot easier for you to be able to make decisions or know the next right step for you or know how you want to handle a particular situation when you're more connected to your own basic thoughts and needs. The second reason might be that you just don't trust life. If you've been through hard times, chronic stress, heartbreak, betrayal, traumatic loss, or some other form of tragedy in your life, or the very real and awful phenomenon of something going horribly wrong and there being nothing you could do about it, you may have been left with this lingering general sense of mistrust of life and of the world around you. This is why when people say things to you like, just relax, don't worry about it, everything's fine, instead of feeling reassured, you actually just feel really annoyed and even more frustrated and possibly even more stressed. If life has ever made you feel inadequate or powerless, it's possible that you may have developed a coping strategy of overplanning and overfunctioning. It's like your system wants to feel constantly ready and available to deal with new problems that could be coming down the line. So it wants to remain alert for danger at all times. It wants to be able to let you be available for that potential problem that could happen tomorrow. So it's like you have to stay really on top of everything today. For example, Maybe you feel like you can't go to bed until the kitchen is totally clean because the idea of tomorrow, leaving it until tomorrow, stresses you out. After all, anything could happen tomorrow and your system feels like you have to be ready to handle it. So here's the thing to notice. Using productivity to soothe anxiety and overwhelm is like having an espresso to be able to go to sleep. It just keeps the whole cycle spinning. So instead, what you might want to consider doing is giving yourself some intentional, deliberate moments of rest. And you might find that it doesn't quite feel very restful, right? This is kind of what we fight against in that beginning stage of this. It's like you feel like you can't really sit down and read a book or maybe you think about sitting down and reading a book but you end up just tidying up more things instead or aimlessly scrolling your phone. This is because your system is really fighting doing the thing that you know you need to do. So this becomes a bit about pushing yourself, even if it's just five or ten minutes of intentional planned rest. It also might be useful to look at doing a session with your counselor or getting a little bit of extra support for yourself so that you can help to just kind of maybe clear out some of that extra tension or stress or fear that your body might be holding on to that's keeping you in this state of overdrive. The third thing is you're a Ferrari. Now, bear with me for a second. Let me explain a little bit about what I mean. Through all my work with, you know, the hundreds of people that I've seen at this point in my life, in my practice, I've come to believe that like different models of cars, humans just kind of often run at different speeds. 
So while some car might be like a Ford Focus or a Prius that, you know, has a certain amount of torque under the hood, other cars just naturally run more like a Viper or a Ferrari. Having a brain that wants to move fast, wants to be active, and loves taking things apart and putting them together again isn't a bad thing, though it certainly can be uncomfortable if you haven't really figured out yet how to turn that off and on. So I don't mind admitting that really my brain operates much more like a Ferrari than a Focus, and I'm actually not sad about that at all. It lets me create a lot of great things like this podcast. It lets me do a lot of the stuff that feels meaningful and purposeful for me, but it's certainly something that I've had to be able to control. So a highly active mind can either be your greatest tormentor or a source of rocket fuel. But here's the interesting thing that happens, and I've seen this happen with a lot of people. When you reject your natural tendency For example, by shaming yourself or trying to numb yourself out or always trying to shut down that beautiful, busy brain of yours without really giving it full permission to play or stretch or create or make or do, you can end up becoming really depressed, stuck, self-loathing, and incredibly anxious. So, When you start to have more appreciation of your quirks and your differences, instead of just feeling like it's bad and wrong and shouldn't be there or somehow evidence of some kind of deficiency for you, when you start to just really lean into that instead of trying to just turn it off, you can begin to channel some of that highly charged brain power of yours more effectively into the people, the projects, and the things that you care about. So that can be a really wonderful thing. When you learn how to control it, you can use this extra gusto to do maybe the things you really want to do and live a life that feels really good to live. Containing that and controlling that kind of just becomes this buildup of pressure that becomes painful and can manifest in some really uncomfortable ways or some mental health concerns. So Some people learn to control this in a few different ways. I know a lot of people that for them, this is where their workouts become really important. And there's kind of this annoying cliche thing, right? That when you talk to a therapist and they say, you know, have you tried doing yoga or have you tried going for a run? It can sound so trite and kind of annoying, right? And we almost kind of want to roll our eyes at it. And I do too. And at the same time, I also encourage certain people to really consider this idea because if you have that race car kind of mind, exercise can be a really good way of helping your system to burn some of that off. Actually, this applies to really all three of these types of overthinking. It can be a good way just to help bring that charge down a little bit. So as long as it's safe for you and that your physician would recommend that that would be something that would be suitable for you, The idea of adding a good workout or a good run into your self-care routine could possibly go a long way to help you manage this overthinking, overdrive, overfunctioning kind of pattern. The other thing that people do is to start to set some limits for themselves. So for me, one of the things that I do 
is I'll sometimes leave my phone in another room when I'm wanting to be able to just kind of sit and watch a movie or relax with my partner. Because if I keep it somewhere within reach, inevitably, mindlessly, I'll end up picking it up at some point in time. And then I've just given my brain this hit of sometimes adrenaline or even just a to-do list task that now I have to carry in my brain because I've opened up a message that maybe I wasn't even thinking about opening up, but now it's something that I have to remember or keep track of, or it's something that now gets logged as an action item. So giving yourself some limits in whatever that way is for you. Some people say, you know what, I'm not allowed to touch my phone until 9 a.m. in the morning, or I'm not allowed to touch my phone after 9 p.m. at night. What we're kind of doing with this is just starting to bring down the amount of sensory information coming at you and the demands for your attention and activity. So I would love to know which one of these stood out the most for you. Feel free to message me or DM me and let me know. And I'm curious if you know someone who would benefit from hearing this episode today. If you do, I would appreciate it so much. If you shared it with them, that would definitely help that other person as well as help me in my mission of getting this out into the hands of the people who would benefit from it. So I thank you so much for spending this time with me and for listening to this episode with me. And I will see you again next time. All right, take care.